It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Here on a Monday, uh, it's not. It's neither a misery Monday or a, a victory Monday. It's just. It's just Monday, but it is still football season. So that means it's time to talk to our pal Michael Phillips. Today's top story from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not my beat. Of course, Phillips writing about the commanders for the Washington Times, also hosting MP on the mic, 910 The Fan down in Richmond, where he was the sports editor at the Richmond Times-Dispatch for years, covering, uh, amongst other things, all the stadium stuff. And, Michael, I'm sure you saw the Capitals-Wizards news today with them looking at Potomac Yards. Uh, so I want to I pick your brain on that in a second. But, but it's also a great bit day. And I have, I have, I have a confession, not a confession, but like I have, I have something to discuss with you first, uh, with Get you, you and the audience. So it is now past five o'clock and that means I need to call a number here in a moment to find out if I have to report for jury duty tomorrow. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Have you had jury duty recently? Um, yeah, it was about three years ago. It, it was like right, right at the start of the pandemic. I was like the first mm. group back to jury duty. Um, they, everybody's super weird about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just want to know, like, is there a shirt I can wear tomorrow that they'll just look at me and be like, nah, cause that's, I don't want any part of this. You know, they, they were going around, they were disqualifying people, you know, like, Hey, you know, this case is about a guy who robbed a convenience store. Have any of you ever worked at a convenience store? Have any of you ever been convicted of a felony? Have any of you, you know, all those things on down. And then at the end they said, does anybody else have a reason why they shouldn't serve on the jury? And um, somebody raised their hand and they, they, you know, it was one of those days where I like, uh, you know, I'm an attorney. I shouldn't have to do this. And the judge was like, sit your butt back down. And somebody else was like, you know, I, I have child care obligations. And the judge was like, we'll work with you. Hang tight. And then the third person raised their hand and was like, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't want to do this. Um, and the judge dismissed her. Um, what? That's, it? that's all I got to do? Um, they, the judge says, do you think you could be an impartial? Do you think you could set that aside and rule on this case impartially? Uh, and she said, I don't think I could because uh, I, I don't want to do this. And uh, the judge sent her away. And we all kind of looked at each other like, Really? We've all been like brainstorming our excuses all morning and that was the one? Wow. That is cuz I was thinking about that. It's like I don't I have strongly held beliefs about the 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 criminal justice system. I don't think I can be an impartial juror. Like I just I don't think I can do this. But the I don't want to do it straight <laughs> up. I hadn't considered that. And honestly, I might it was a straight, like, you got to kind of back it up with your attitude, right? Like, the statement was like, yeah. you you can make me do this, but it's going to be unpleasant for both of us. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and it is important. <laughs> it is it is our civic duty, um, all of all of that stuff. I, I'm just hoping, honestly, that I call this number, and they're like, yeah, we don't need you. Um, uh, is it a weekly thing in December, or just, is it just a one-off? No, this is a this is a one-off, I believe. Um, okay, in 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 Richmond, you have to call the number every Wednesday for a month. 
or whatever day of the week you get for a oh. month. So you have to call four times. Yeah. Now, if they pick you once, you're done for the month, but they, they can, they can hit you at any point in those four weeks. Oh, see, no, I think here in DC, it's like you call the night before and then you're supposed to be there one day or one trial, but I think your day is, is counted if you, they say don't come in. Correct. Okay. They, so, so that's good. Right, fingers crossed. For, are you going to make the call on the air? No, I did think about it. And I kind of <laughs> feel like that would be a good way to get them. Like, we can't trust this guy. <laughs> just just know whatever happens here will be fodder for my my radio show yeah i well that is that's i, I don't know what the rules are so i shouldn't say anything i'm not trying to get i am trying to get out of jury duty i'm not trying to get arrested have you seen the tv show jury duty it was like a truman show thing where the guy the one guy was no was i've real, seen the ads the for it i've fake. seen the ads for it i thought it was clever yeah uh but basically for those that haven't seen it basically uh one guy, like it's eleven actors on the on the jury with him, and then one real dude, and then everyone else is obviously an actor, including the judge, and and he's he he's just like this is the most bizarre thing ever. And it's like you correct because you're in a TV show and you're the only one that's not acting. That, <laughs> honestly, that sounds terrible. That sounds like my nightmare. Anyway, yeah. um, we should talk about sports now. Michael Phillips is with us here on the Hoffman Show. Uh, so as I mentioned, you you spent a lot of time at the Dispatch. Um, covering uh, everything going on down there in Richmond in terms of the intersection of sports and and the state government of Virginia, and that included a lot of stadium talk. When you read Sam Fortier and, and his colleague's piece in the Post today about the Capitals and the Wizards potentially moving to Potomac Yards, like, what do you think the likelihood of that is, and how important would it be to the Commonwealth to actually have that happen and finally have a pro sports team there in Virginia? Yeah, I think it's a second place uh, for, for both sides, right? Like, Virginia would really like to have the commanders. Uh, that that would be their number one if they're ranking sports teams they'd like to attract. And, uh, of course, for, for a lot of reasons that everybody understands, uh, uh, that that is the one that, that they would like. Uh, I think that Leonsis, if you were to get an honest truth out of him, uh, would probably say that staying at Capital One and renovating it would be his number one. It's it's in the city. It's a great location. They're building their offices there. Um, you know, it, it served them very well, and I, I think it serves the fan base very well. Uh, both sides are realizing they may not get their first choice. Um, I, I think RFK has a ton of momentum right now to host the Commander Stadium. Uh, you know, and, and Maryland has a ton of momentum right now with Josh Harris uh, and his ownership group having a lot of Maryland ties. Um, that that's a government that that's very interested in getting it done. Uh, you know, Virginia has faded from the from the front runner seat they were in a year ago to this being a, a pretty competitive situation and, and one that they may not control their destiny on here. Um, and and for Ted Leonsis, if they bring the commanders to RFK, if that's a seven hundred eight hundred million dollar check that the city cuts to them, is there enough money in the budget to also? take care of him uh you know his ask is 600 million dollars for renovations at capital one you know can they do that and also bring a football team to town and also nats park is 15 years old and those guys have their hands out now i'd slap their hand and tell them to go away but but the point being you've got things you need to take care of right now um so so leonsis is lining up his backup plan i think virginia has money burning a hole in their pocket you know governor who's trying to get a win uh, a governor who's from Northern Virginia. Uh, this would be a big win for him, a good backup plan. 
so I, I wouldn't take this as this will happen, uh, but I think both sides are realizing the lights are about to turn on at the bar and they need to go home with somebody. Yeah, so when you look at the... I mean, I think that's a great point that, you know, right now there's construction happening, like on, for instance, the studios for, for Monumental Sports Network. Um, they, they're moving. They used to be in Bethesda when they were NBC Sports Washington. Uh, you know, we've we've all seen like Wes Hall and, and you know, his his uh, pregame show and whether it's Jason or Christy or whoever's with him, like they're at the perch there at Capital One Arena. They're kind of tucked away in District E. They're building like a real state-of-the-art TV studio. And if they build that, and wire it and all this bad stuff and then move to Virginia in four years. Like that seems like a gigantic waste of money. So why it beyond that, is there another particular reason why you think Leonsis would prefer DC versus, Hey man, like you want to be this multimedia mogul and now you can build an entertainment district. Like if I'm Leonsis, Virginia is actually fairly appealing to me. Yeah. And you know, you have to wait and see how much land will give them, how much, how much space they would get to develop. Right. Cause if, you know, if you're talking about a, a big-time development project, that's going to be very appealing. This is, you know, not land. This isn't Chinatown when a Poland-built MCI center, right? This this is a very well-developed piece of land that also just got a metro station, and also Amazon's moving in there. Uh, I think lands at a real premium down there. You could claw back a little bit of it. I, I don't know how much they'll truly be able to offer that those guys to develop and to profit off of. Um, but yeah, Leonsis has complained about his lease at Capital One Arena for a very long time. Um, I, I think there's also an alternate reality here where both of them stay afloat, um, whether that's splitting the teams and, and building, you know, I, I would say Capital One is is probably inelegant for both sports, but but is more of a hockey arena than a basketball arena just because of the size, uh, you know, the basketball court is smaller. Um, so you, you have to kind of adapt it for basketball. If you built a true basketball arena in Alexandria, could you split the teams? Uh, could you send both of them to Alexandria and keep it for concerts and Disney on Ice and you know all that all that good stuff uh, that that rolls through? I, I think there's a lot of options on the board here. It's very early in an exploratory process. Uh, my understanding uh, from from the Virginia side of things is they're setting the table for the legislation they want to present in January. So I, I don't think we're in any imminent danger of them being at a podium tomorrow, shaking hands and, and celebrating mission accomplished here. Uh, but I, I think both sides are feeling out what they can do for each other. Mission accomplished notoriously when things are over. If you know, you know. <laughs> uh, Michael Phillips with us, MP on the mic, 910 The Fan in Richmond. He also did write about this as well uh, at the Washington Times. You also made an interesting comment, though, earlier. You, you feel like commanders in Maryland are really in a good place right now. Um, what is it that West Moore has done to ingratiate that relationship with Josh Harris and the new regime? And also how big of a deal, like how big of a data point is the offices moving that was announced last week? Uh, for those that may have missed it, commanders moving uh, a lot of their business operations from FedEx Field to a new campus on the University of Maryland, like a new office campus on the campus of University of Maryland. It, it certainly, uh, I think it's more of a logistical decision than a political decision. Uh, you know, they, they need to create more space at FedEx Field to do the things they want to do over the next few years to bring fans back, to bring corporate money back, to bring sweet holders back. Uh, and, and this was a very logical way to do that and certainly doesn't hurt that you get to, you know, ingratiate with uh, one of your key stakeholders there. You mentioned Westmore. We've seen a ton of him this year. He's been in a lot of the games. He's been wearing commander's jerseys. 
He's been very outspoken. Uh, I would say don't interpret Virginia's silence as disinterest. Uh, they are still very interested. They all are still working very hard behind the scenes. Um, but there is a bit of an incumbency advantage right now in Maryland. Uh, you know, they they love these in, these investors. They love Harris, Rails, uh, you know, both, you know, Maryland guys, Bethesda guys. Uh, you know, the team is there right now. Um, so they, they enjoy that incumbency advantage. Uh, they seem willing to do what it takes to keep them. I think ultimately the team will probably chase RFK first. Um, but I had always set up until new ownership took over, if it's not RFK, Virginia's, Virginia's not the only one sitting at the table. And, and that's just not the case anymore. Maryland has come to play. Michael Phillips with us here on the team at 980. Anything else on the, like how I, let's wrap up the stadium talk with, with this. And then a couple of commanders items real quick. Um, like how would, how do these impact each other? Right. And, and also who do you like, does uh monumental doing this potentially speed up the commander's process? Cause it feels like things have been fairly quiet on that front. So like how, how are these two things intertwined on both a timing and ultimately logistics level? Yeah. 2027 is the year, right? That's the year the commanders can bounce FedEx and that's the year the Wiz and caps can bounce for, from capital one downtown. Uh, I would say it's a, very, very unlikely that either team moves in 2027. Even if they did the handshake tomorrow, that would be really hard to pull off. Um, and so both sides are working from a sense of urgency, right? If, if you're not making money, you're losing money, um, you know, or you're leaving money on the table, at least. That, that's the pressure that, that Harris and his group are under right now. You think about all these investors that threw their money in, this is the return, the new stadium, the new revenues, uh, any year after 2027 where games are played in FedEx field or games are played in, in some kind of interim stadium, that is a loss for them. They are leaving money on the table. So they feel a very real urgency to get this done as quickly as possible. And frankly, it would not stun me to see an agreement in principle this off season uh, that, you know, that's the pressure they feel to get moving and return this investment. Uh, same from Ted Leonsis' side, right? If, if he can move in 2027, he wants to either have the city's money in his hand to do renovations that year or be moving to Alexandria as quickly as possible. So I, I don't think anybody uh, is coming at this from a perspective of wait and see. I, I think it's a lot of very active, very engaged owners and stakeholders who, who realize that the time is ticking to get these things open as quickly as possible. Yeah, I, I certainly hope something happens sooner rather than later on, on both fronts. Uh, clarity is good. Um, but also, like like you said, the, the logistics of this, if you if, if the commanders want to be out of FedEx before 2030, they need to get moving yesterday. Um, it's true. It's, it's hard to build. And, um, you know, everyone who's ever done anything with construction knows that it doesn't finish on time. And I don't think most <laughs> of us have built a stadium. You know, if you build a deck, it doesn't finish on time. Nevertheless, a, a football stadium. Okay, uh, as for the actual team itself, biggest piece of news that comes out of Ron Rivera's press conference today, uh, slash some reporting before it by Nikki Javala, which Ron confirmed, is that Jamin Davis is done for the season. He has a shoulder injury uh, that he suffered in the Miami game. Uh, where does that leave Davis now entering year four? New regime will have to decide on his fifth year option. Like, what what have you made of the the three plus or the three years of the Jamin Davis experience so far? Now that we know his season is over. Sure, right, and I think there's a recalculation this year, right, of year one, he's a bust. Year two, I'm still angry. Yeah, I, the Phantom's still angry. 
because they used a first-round pick on a middle linebacker and we got an outside linebacker and that's stupid drafting and stupid value, right? That's not Jamin's fault at that point. You know, that, that's Ron Rivera and, and the scouting team's fault. Um, but, it, but that was still held against him, right? I felt like this was the first year as like, Jamin Davis, he's an outside linebacker. He's, he's an NFL caliber starter at the position. He's doing all right. Um, you know, he, he's playing well. That's a position he could play for a while. Um, I think people had kind of come around on that. I'm not going to suggest he was a pro bowler or anything of that level, but he was absolutely an NFL caliber starting outside linebacker. Um, and, and so you almost have to set aside the rest of it. Yeah, it was a bad draft pick. Yeah, there's bad value there. But he was a starter, and he was one of 11 starters, and he was not out of place as a starter. Uh, and now that's another replacement you got to make. Uh, heading into a stretch here that looks a little more daunting than it did at the start of the day yesterday. Rams could be in the playoffs by the end of the night if the Packers lose, and the Jets looked really good yesterday. Those are bad signs for the upcoming schedule. Um, do you like how important is it for the team for anybody to win any of these final four games? <laughs> uh, what a question I, I, I just asked you! What a loaded, gigantic question. I laugh and I hesitate because look, I, I do a radio show. I give my opinion about things. I think they should tank. I think I think they should move a bunch of the starters to IR. Um, you know, tie tie Ron's hands behind his back, lose the four, get a great draft pick. Uh, I, I I just think that has the highest upside of all your available options. Um, what would it mean to win in, in the final four? Certainly doesn't mean anything for Ron's job, but I think it means a lot for Sam Howell. Right, the higher that draft pick goes, the more likely it is you draft a quarterback with that. But uh, if Hal could scratch out a couple really nice performances and a couple W's and they're picking eight or nine, I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback at eight or nine. That, that gives Hal his own job security, so to speak. Um, but, but if you're asking me or you're saying what should the fans want, I think the fans should want to see Sam Hal throw for 400 yards and a loss. I, I just don't see how winning helps the current cause at the moment. No, I, I hear that. The only thing I worry about is kind of like the habits, the demeanor. Like, is it more likely that they do something drastic this offseason that could have some regret, like trading a John Allen, trading a Terry McLaurin? Um, it, like, if you want those guys, I feel like winning one and like keeping some semblance of dignity is probably important. Um, like, but most of the decisions have probably been made in terms of the, like, the decisions that can be made by the people that are here now have been made. The GM is going to be gone. The head coach is going to be gone. Uh, and, and it's going to be new people in all of those positions who will decide everybody's fate below them. And at that point, like winning, I guess the draft pick is, is probably the biggest uh, impact there. Um, but I, I do just wonder, like from a not not having it feel like a total epic disaster, losing the fan base uh, anymore, is that damage already done or does winning anything matter uh, down the stretch here? I think certainly winning one of the next two would offer you a little bit of a reset in terms of, we talk all the time, right? Losses in the NFL are exponential. They snowball and every one is worse than the one before it and leaves people angrier than the one before it. But every time you, you win even one, you get a reset back to the baseline, back to zero. Um, and it would certainly offer that. It would make the last four weeks calmer, less contentious, um, you know, whatever Whatever your phrasing is there, it, it would be very helpful for the last four weeks for the people on the team. I, I think that's why I would shut down John Allen, shut down Terry, uh, you know, shut down Deron Payne. Like, hey, you know, these guys, it's been a long season. 
you know, messed up his shoulder the other day or whatever. He's going to IR for the rest of the way. Uh, I, I wouldn't subject him to this. I also think you have $90 million in cap space. I think you can sell them pretty quickly. Hey, look, don't go anywhere. We're not shipping you anywhere. We're going to turn this thing around quickly. Yeah, no, I, I think not subjecting him to that IR thing is, is definitely nice. Obviously, Jamin, uh, first one IR today, but his with an injury, uh, wishing him the best in recovery as he'll likely have surgery uh, here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Michael Phillips doing a great job on all fronts today. Thank you kindly, sir. And uh, are you going out to L.A.? Are you getting to escape to the West Coast for a nice December uh, day of sunshine? I will be in L.A. And uh, nice. we will we will sort this out. I th- I, I can't do the red eye anymore. I'm, I'm an old man now, yeah. which I say is the people older than me on the beat will get on the red eye. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm going to wait. I'll do my show from L.A. Monday, which yeah, there's, there's worse fates in life. No, uh, that's we'll, true. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure out this arrangement for next Monday, but we'll make sure it happens. But, uh, yeah, it should be, uh, should be a ton of fun. And uh, that, that's a great stadium, of course, one of my favorites. And uh, I think it'll be a competitive football game, although uh, I've been wrong on that before. Yeah, uh, tell Sean I say hello. Uh, also, <laughs> I have not been to SoFi. My only L.A. trip on the beat uh, was the year that we played there twice, and it was Coliseum in the old city. the soccer stadium. Yes, correct. Correct. Uh, the soccer stadium was my favorite all. stadium I have ever covered a game in. Honestly, for the game itself, it was pretty great. Because it yeah. was like you were so low because the stadium yep. wasn't very big. It was kind of like you're, you had like a great all-22 cam all day long. Exactly. Yeah. No, like obviously the atmosphere left a lot to be desired, but like I felt like I was just hovering on top of an NFL game. It was fantastic in that regard. Yeah, that was very cool. All right. Well, uh, we'll figure out Monday. We'll probably be able to tape something before you get on the plane. Uh, so we'll, we'll, uh, I'll have your people talk to my people. Okay. Just text me. <laughs> Deal. All right. Uh, thanks, buddy. I'll talk to you. That is Michael Phillips with us here on the Hoffman Show. When we get back, uh, there's no commanders game to talk about, which makes it extra fun to go around the NFL on a Monday. How did Anthony and I do on our picks? And uh, what about the games in terms of the actual analysis? You know, what happened for the people with real stakes in them. Uh, we discuss next the Hoffman show and team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony, you, you over there. Hey, what's up? I called. No, I got, I, I got a report for jury due tomorrow. That is not the life you deserve, man. I'm torn because it's very important. Yep. And it's like a real responsibility and um, people deserve good, fair juries. And I just I don't want to be on one. It's just something that I've also had like a very wacky couple of weeks. I was out last week. I had to do a medical exam and I just would like to have some regularity and rhythm to my life. And like tomorrow, I, part of the problem too was this jury summons went to my old address and it took me a little bit longer to get it. And then by the time, but I was still, it's still my fault. I took way too long to respond because you can't ask for a deferral. And what I probably would have done has been like, can I defer it to the off season? Like it's a better, this is like, Busy season. I know people are like, yeah, okay, like, guy, you talk on the radio. But, like, accountants have busy seasons. Like, it's very common for people to have busy seasons. And, like, like it or not, this is my job. And so if I could have deferred it to a Tuesday in uh, March, sometime after NFL free agency, that would have been a time where I would, I'd be like, yeah, let's go serve on a jury. 
And not that I'm necessarily going to have to serve on a jury. I might, I might get dismissed 10 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, but long story short, your boy's got jury duty tomorrow. There's a very good chance that Linnell Willingham will be doing this show tomorrow. Um, unless I'm done early enough that I can, you know, prep for the show. I'm not just going to, sh- hey, I got dismissed. It's 3 o'clock. What are we talking about today? No, so uh, good chance Big L's in tomorrow doing the show. Um, two and a half hours. I also, I also miss a short show. You guys got two and a half hours oh, yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, two and a half. We off at 6.30, baby. Maryland uh, Maryland basketball tomorrow night. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I don't know, man. I just just wish, wish I didn't have to. But it's all right. I'm going to be a – this is me picking myself up by the bootstraps, being an adult, and stopping being a whiny little baby. And uh, I'm going to do my civic duty, and it'll be it'll be fine. It'll be. I think also part of it's like I just haven't. I I had to do jury duty once before, when I lived in Dallas, and it was annoying. I was there for a couple hours, and then I got dismissed. And hopefully that's what tomorrow is. Um, but uh, if I get called on a jury, then I'll do my my job. And well, you guys won't see me for a couple of days, but we'll we'll uh, deal with that as it goes. Uh, right now, though, time to go around the NFL, a thing that I'm much better at than being a juror. Uh, let's see if I'm, I'm any good at picking games. Uh, Anthony, where did we stand? I had a good week last week. Uh, you had beat me a couple weeks in a row. Uh, I had a good week. Where did we stand coming into the week? Uh, okay, so coming into the week, uh, you had a nine-game lead over me. You were at 119-71, and 71, and uh, I was at 110-80. and 80. But I think we covered some ground this week, Craig. I think. Well, I guess we're about to find out. Yes, uh, we Neither of us picked the Patriots-Steelers game, which is good because we would have both gotten that wrong. Uh, that was that was the Thursday nighter. Bucks and Falcons. Falcons tried to, to get this thing at the end, 25-point. Uh, sorry, 15 points in the fourth quarter. Desmond Ritter, 347, a touchdown and a pick. Monster day from Drake London. 10 catches, 172 yards. But Falcons defense could not stop Baker Mayfield and the Bucs. Uh, they just kept getting better as the game went on. 10 fourth quarter points for them. Rashad White, a couple of key uh, conversions late. And ultimately, the Bucks get the win, 29-25 creating a big giant log jam of crapola on top of the NFC South. Everybody's at six and seven, right? Except for the or, Panthers. Well, except for the Panthers. But now nah, that was a, a good game. Um, definitely thought the Falcons were going to be able to pull it off. Uh, they had taken the lead um, in the game. And then Baker Mayfield doing what he's done, you know, all season, you know, somehow leading all these comebacks. So, I think it's pretty uh, good for the Bucks, You know, be hitting their stride on the offensive side. Once they get, you know, some of their key defensive guys back, I think they could potentially be a solid playoff. T- I mean, they do sit at 6-7 and seven right now. Yeah, so it looks I, I ugly. think they're the best team in that yeah, division. Yeah, no question. I think, I think they're the best team in that division. The Falcons just, I cannot trust them. Falcons probably the most talented <laughs> team in the division, but there's just something about them where I just, they're not trustworthy. Nope. And, you see it again uh, now just four and three at home on the year uh, after that loss to the Buck Aneers. Uh, do we who do we pick in that game? 
Uh, we both picked the Bucks. Nice job, us. Yes, sir. Okay, uh, so that's that's one and zero. Oh. Now we're one and one. Bears twenty eight, Lions thirteen. Just a weird game for Detroit again. It's like the only kind that they play uh, is just bizarro world games. I mean, they rush for hundred and forty yards in the game on twenty four carries. They have to drop Goff back a bunch because they're down, which is not how they want to play. Um, and and Goff turns the football over. He's got two interceptions. Uh, they also had a fumbled snap. Uh, technically, I guess that goes on the center. Um, but, you know, whatever. Uh, but they had a, a – and, and they just – you can't win that way. Um, you can't win when, by the way, also your best receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown, only has three catches uh, on nine targets. So an excellent job by the Bears defense, who is playing, to their credit – at a top five rate since they traded for Montez Sweat, who has three and a half sacks over that time. Another sack yesterday, uh, five tackles as well, four quarterback hits. Sweat, super productive since he got to Chicago. And this Bears defense is onto something. And and I think that, like, well, I do not think Justin Fields, who was 19 to 33 for 223, a touchdown, and also at 58 yards and another score rushing. I don't think this is going to be enough, Anthony, to save Justin Fields' job in Chicago, but I do think it's going to be enough to save Eberflus's. And that I, is probably the correct thing because I think Flus is a good coach. Um, they've got to figure out the offensive side, but they are so talent-deprived. And they've, they've obviously added guys like Montez and started to, to pick up the talent level a little bit but they're so talent-deprived, and yet they've won five games this year. And if their defense is going to play like this for the final four weeks of the season, I think they they might wind up keeping Matt Eberflus, which, by the way, would be phenomenal for the commanders because if you want the commanders to hire one of the top offensive coaches available, you're competing with the Chargers, who presumably will fire Brandon Staley, and have Justin Herbert, and the Bears, who are going to have the number one pick and the most quarterback-rich draft in recent memory. If you don't have to compete with the Bears, that's a big freaking deal for the commanders in terms of who they want to hire. I would love to be in the Bears' position right about now. I'm not going to lie. Uh, they look good from a defensive standpoint. I think Flus is gone, though. Um, I, I don't know if what they do over the next couple of games will be able to you know, salvage his time there, but... I mean, they're five and it, eight. Yo, it'll be interesting. Um, so if, it, if they go out and win out because the defense is definitely playing well, Justin Field also. Well, if they win the out, they're over five hundred. Then yeah. he's definitely not getting fired. Yeah. But they've got the Browns, the Cardinals, the Falcons, and the Packers. All winnable they, games. They could easily win two or three of those if they finish seven and nine, or mm-hmm. sorry, seven and ten because they play seventeen now. Do you fire your coach? And by the way, you will have won. You started the season 0-4, and, uh, and then you will have won, what did I just say? They're going to win four or, or two of them? Yeah. You'd finish 4-2 and two in your last six? You could finish 5-1 and one in your last six? Yeah. They're back half of the season. They beat Carolina, lost to Detroit by five, beat the Vikings, beat the Lions, and then they got the four left. I'm just saying. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, 
but it has a huge commander's impact, that's for sure. Colts and Bengals, whoopsies. What happened to your boys, man? Gardner couldn't get going, man. You actually got it right. You chose the Bengals. Oh. I chose the Colts. Sweet. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, defense was just out on the field too long. Like, they had some dumb penalties. They had uh, they had held the, the Bengals to a field goal. Somebody got an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, end up uh, giving the Bengals another chance. They go out there. They score a touchdown. It, it was just, I don't know, it wasn't the Colts' day. A lot of unforced errors and then also Gardner not being able to, you know, uh, get the offense going. So, it Min- was tough. Yeah, Minshew, 26-39 for 240. I mean, the Colts were really starting to roll with Jonathan Taylor. He yep. goes back out. Zach Moss, who's good, but 13 for 28. Yikes, man. Yeah. And who would have thought on a team with all of these receivers – your best player yesterday, offensively, most productive, I should say, would be Chase Brown? Yeah. The backup running back, three mm-hmm. catches, 80 yards, including a 54-yarder. Uh, so he was your leading receiver yesterday, above Jamar Chase, above Joe Mixon, above T. Higgins, above Tyler Boyd. Um, but Jake Browning just spread the ball out to everyone. You know, Drew Sample a couple of catches, Tanner Hudson a couple of catches. Uh, meanwhile, obviously, not a great day for the Colts offense. Uh, and shut him out in the second half to Cincinnati's defense. Uh, outscored him 20 to nothing. And, uh, well, lo and behold, they won by 20. So that seems to be a rather significant data point in that one. Jags and Browns. Just when the Browns yep. start to really be like, yep, we're not that good. Here they come. Back again. Joe Flacco. Is he elite? Three eleven, three touchdowns, one pick. And, uh, you know, all jokes aside, like, Miles Garrett made the Joe Flacco's elite thing after the game or said that because Flacco's ability to come in, learn the playbook, turn it around and execute it is pretty freaking special. And for a guy that's been around, it's it's obviously a lot easier. He's seen it, he's done it, and he's able to summon it uh, with enough skill position around him. And the, the Browns defense does just enough, 13 fourth quarter points for the Jags. But just when the Jags start to look better, they, they kaputs again. It's just... This is the league, man. Everyone's up and down, and, and most teams are going to be between 7 and 10 wins every year, and these two teams are likely going to wind up uh, now at 8 and 5, somewhere probably in that range. The crazy thing is, Craig, I said this was going to be one of those games just because the NFL, you took the Jacks, I took the Browns. To be honest, I still don't quite understand it, but I think Joe Flacco, <laughs> I don't know, he might, he might be able to do something like – for the Browns because he's been able to open up their passing side. We know they want to run the ball. You know, we know that's their identity. But the fact that he can go out there, complete the throws, you still have, you know, elite um, talent around you. I, I think he he's going to be the one to be able to get this uh, thing to go. I mean, done it so far. Stefanski's a good coach. Yeah. Um, just think it's hilarious that they're playing better with Joe Flacco than Deshaun Watson. That's all I'll say. <laughs> uh, Saints, they're 6-7, and seven, now tied atop the NFC South. Uh, after beating the lowly Panthers 28 to 6. What a weird game this was. Um the the Saints ran only 51 plays in this game and won 28 to 6. They were just ruthlessly efficient. Um Carr 18 of 26 for 119, two touchdowns, a pick, Kamara 12 for 56 and a touchdown and then of course uh the defense steps up in a big way. Uh they force uh, or hold Bryce Young to 137 yards passing. Uh, team passing, so you subtract sack yardage. 
99. Good gracious. 99. Of course, the Panthers ran the ball a ton. 204 yards on 39 attempts, but that is also for zero touchdowns. So no big, you know, had some big plays. Miles Sanders had a 48-yarder, but they don't convert them into points. And they have some fumbles, and, you know, they got a – they fumbled a punt. You know, Bryce Young loses a fumble. It's it's just brutal, man. Uh, And defensively, like, they're not good enough. Like, defensively, they've got some talent there, but they're not good enough to hold up for this. And Carolina continues what is a miserable season. Steamrolling towards the number one pick, which they will then hand – to the Bears. Uh, the Texans. This score is not surprising if the month was July. If I tell you the Jets win 30-6, to you'd be like, oh yeah, Aaron Rodgers, big day, nice job. Uh, Texans, not very good. That tracks. This was the Zach Wilson coming out party. We'll see if he, he stays out and parties more for the rest of the season. 301, two touchdowns. Shroud, uh, his worst day as a pro by far, and it ends prematurely with him leaving after just 23 passing attempts. 91 yards on the day uh, and and left in concussion protocol. Texans offense was just terrible, man. There's no other way around it. Uh, meanwhile, Wilson, 27-36, as I mentioned, 301 and two touchdowns. And he said after the game, he had kind of a bleep-it attitude. He goes, "What? what's the worst that can happen to me? I'm going to get benched? Like, been through <laughs> that. And sometimes that mental freedom's a lot. And so good for Zach Wilson putting it together. Jets, enormous win. A game that was, by the way, tied... 0-0 at the half. One of two games tied at 0-0 at the half uh, on this very bizarro NFL Week 14 weekend. Yeah, I couldn't understand the Texans' lack there of offense. I, I looked up and saw C.J. Stroud had 28 passing yards, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, well, Nico what? Collins went out. Tank Dell's already out. Yeah. Some some things are falling apart. Yeah, sadly. Uh, did we both pick the Texans in this one? We did, and we currently sit at 3-3, three and three, Craig. Damn. I know. Uh, I called this one. Uh, I We picked the Ravens, but I told you, Rams are going to be plucky. Rams are a good football team, and they're 6-7 and seven because they missed Matthew Stafford for a key stretch of this season. But the Rams went into Baltimore, put up 31, and there's kind of a weird situation late in this game that Sean McVay bucks the analytics, and it probably cost them the game. So they, they on one of their touchdowns, Instead of going for two after a Ravens penalty, mm-hmm. which the analytics tell you to do, it is, you have a, a very great chance of converting the two-point conversion when it's a one-yard versus a two-yard because like quarterback sneaks and those things become more into the equation. Plus, it's just a lot easier to get one yard than two with smashing your running back in there. Um, Sean elects to take the penalty on a shorter kickoff, and... They, they wind up going to overtime, and they lose on a walk-off punt return. Heck of a, a play uh, by Baltimore, obviously. An incredible win by the Ravens, who moved to 10-3 and three and 5-2 and two at home. And they played a great football game as well. Lamar, three touchdowns, one pick uh, on 43 attempts, 316, the yardage total. Uh, Stafford, 294, three touchdowns. Cubs got eight for 15. Nakua, five for 84. Beckham, uh, pretty hilariously, ran the wrong route, he said, but scored a touchdown. Uh so that's nice for him as he finds the end zone four for 97 for OBJ for Baltimore. Um, but at the end of the day, man, like this Rams team, I think is, is a team that if I'm one of the higher seeds in the NFC, I'm really hoping falls apart down the stretch because if they've got Stafford, they are good. Full stop. They can go out there, and put up points, man. They, they made Baltimore, Baltimore's defense is, 
been lights out all year, and they they made those guys basically work for everything. To be honest, so good yeah. stuff by them. Yeah. Uh, on the opposite end of the football quality and offensive football spectrum, I present to you Vikings and Raiders. Ugh. The latest a game has been 0-0 in like 40 years. One of the first 3-0 games in a long time in the NFL. NFL games don't have this happen. But final two minutes, Minnesota finally gets on the board behind Nick Mullins after Kevin O'Connell pulls Joshua Dobbs, who was 10 of 23 for 63 yards. That's 2.7 yards an attempt and a 17.7 QBR. Took five sacks as well. Minnesota, decent day on the ground, ran for 132. Um, Meanwhile, Josh Jacobs exited early after a poor performance uh, and an injury. Jacobs, 13 for 34 before getting uh, banged up on the day. So Raiders could not get anything going on the ground. Passing game was pretty mediocre. Devontae Adams, 7 for 53 is their leading receiver. And then they come out with a chance to to go down and try to tie it. And on the first play of their final drive, Aiden O'Connell throws a pick. Uh, big win for Minnesota, 7-6. And, six, and uh, it comes despite losing Justin Jefferson again. Kevin O'Connell saying he's day-to-day with a chest injury. Yeah, that was an ugly game, Craig. I, I, I don't really have too much to add to it. Um, yeah, I don't. Not good. No, not at all. Uh, not this at is all. my reminder to check my fantasy. Oh, no. Uh-oh, did you lose? I didn't lose, but I'm going to need... I'm going to need a big two a day. Uh, and I need A-Chain to be silent. And I need Miami's defense to do stuff. If I can get some two at a waddle action, I'll be fine. Um, he's got Barkley, uh, D-Hop, and A-Chan tonight. I've got Miami's defense, Waddle, and Tua, and I'm down by a point and a half. Oh, you're, you should be good. But, uh, you know, he's projected to win, but the, the JJ injury killed me. Oh, snap. I lost. I lost to Phillips. Phillips wow. has been terrible this year. That's what I'm saying. I only put up 93 points. Not he great, put, Bob. Yeah. CJ Stroud got knocked out the game. That hurt a lot. Yeah. Evan Ingram kept me afloat yesterday in JJ's absence. Yeah. Ingram, by the way, in that Jags lot, for the Jags in that loss to Cleveland, 11.95 and two touchdowns. Uh, All right, that concludes our fantasy uh, break. Back to the real football. Seahawks and 49ers. uh, Man, this Niners offense looks incredible. Brock Purdy, legit MVP candidate. 368, two touchdowns and a pick. McCaffrey starts off the game by ripping off a monster run. Debo, they just kept getting him involved in space. Seven for 149. Kittle has a touchdown. Like, that was the epitome of a brilliant San Francisco 49ers performance yesterday. Death by a thousand cuts when it when it when it comes to playing against them at full strength, on full display. Defense also looking alright too. Chase got a uh, sack yesterday. He did. Uh, he did. He does a lot of nothing, but he did get a sack yesterday. So good for him. Uh, watching him and Bosa, you're like, oh, I know which one's better. It's, <laughs> it's not Chase. Uh, Bills and Chiefs, twenty to seventeen, Buffalo. Of course, this game comes down to a controversial ending. Uh, Patrick Mahomes throws. A ridiculous pass on the third down to Travis Kelsey. Kelsey finds himself wide open, and then all of a sudden being chased by too many people, turns back, throws it to Kadarius Tony. Tony on the lateral takes it in for what should have been the go-ahead touchdown with about 90 seconds to go. 
Instead, though, there's there's a little flag on the field, and it turns out Tony lined up offsides, lined up too far forward in the neutral zone. In fact, he was in, in front of the ball, um, and it was so egregious that the refs called it, and it's the right call. I hate it, uh, but it's the right call. It has to be called. Um, the, the one thing I will say is if I'm the Bills today and it's not called, I'm not like, hey, what the hell? Like, how could you let that go? It's so so egregious. It's not the same as, like, an egregious hold that gets missed on a big run or, like, something that happens in action. It happened in a static place, and it's technically correct. It just feels so unsatisfying. It feels wrong, but it's the right call. The referee did his job, and Kadarius Tony didn't. And at the end of the day, that's where it has to has to land. Uh, and for the Chiefs, mention this off the top of the show, that is the fourth time this year, Anthony, the fourth time that they have had either a game-winning touchdown fall through the receiver's hands on drop or been taken off the board due to penalty. Yeah. Mahomes definitely needs some. What would you make of his outburst on the sideline? Was it I think warranted? he was frustrated. Okay. And directed it towards the officials because he doesn't. He's very good about not directing it towards his teammate. Yeah. But that is a dude who just saw an incredible thing happen after he makes a heck of a throw, get wiped uh-huh. off by a flag. And instead of, you know, going over to Kadarius Tony and being like, you bumbling idiot, why do you keep <laughs> losing us games? He tried to, he, he's a fiery competitor. Like, it's, it's unprofessional. I don't like it, yeah. but I also understand it. And mm-hmm. it's not. On the, on the scale of egregiousness of things that athletes do, it's a 1 out of 10. Yeah. So, not great, but not not terrible. Uh, terrible are the Chargers. Broncos now above 500, 24-7. They get the win. Herbert out, uh, fractured finger. Uh, he's seeing a hand specialist. Chance he could be done. That's on his throwing hand. Uh, done for the season. I mean... Broncos defense has gone from literally the worst and on pace for the worst in league history to a team that just held the Chargers to seven points in a must-win game for L.A. What a turnaround by Denver. Sean Payton, that staff, they deserve a ton of credit, man. Hey, I believe in the Broncos, Craig. I I, I went out there and picked them against my Chargers. They, they, they got some cooking over there. They got some cooking. What are they in the last six games? They're five and one. Yeah, or six and one, something like that. Yeah, the Chargers. Hot. The Chargers are terrible, man. Like they are the most disappointing team in football. Yep. They have Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and you know Eckler dudes on defense and Eckler yeah. and they've got some good linemen. Leo Mack, Joey Bosa, Derwin James. They got names galore. Yeah, they, I mean Slater's a good left tackle. Yep. And they're gonna finish with a top ten draft pick. Ridiculous. Uh, fireable offense, and that's why Brandon Staley is likely gone. Uh, Eagles and Cowboys, we called this one too. Yep. Cowboys came out, laid it on them in the first half, held on in the second. Dak Prescott planted an MVP level, 271 and two touchdowns. Nice day from Tony Pollard as well. Nine catches, 94 yards for A.J. Brown, but also a key fumble. And uh, he apparently called Stephon Gilmore old, and Gilmore did not like that very much. They were jawing the whole game. Every single one of Brown's catches resulted in a solo tackle for Gilmore, including the forced fumble. So he really did a good job of keeping the lid on it. Uh, even when they got yardage, you know, no monster big plays. And, you know, you got to win in this offense one-on-one on the outside. And the Cowboys pass rush makes that very, very difficult because you don't have as much time to do it. And you see that uh, with with as great as the Eagles O-line is, 
great O-lines only hold up so long. And Jalen faced some pressure and, and ultimately couldn't execute. Also had a big fumble on, on his own running when this thing was still competitive early. But under 200 yards passing for Jalen on the day. Couldn't get anything really going on the ground either. Um, just 23 carries, 106, which is fine average-wise, but not how Philly typically likes to operate. And um, ultimately, it's a pretty dominant uh, dominant performance for the Cowboys. Yeah, that Cowboys defense. Talk about, you know, rush and coverage going hand-in-hand. Literally all night, they, they were on that with the, uh, the Eagles. So, tip my head off to the Cowboys. We expected this, but let's see what they do when the playoffs come around. For sure. All right. Uh, that wraps around the NFL. Of course, two Monday nighters tonight. Uh, we'll talk about them potentially a little bit tomorrow. Uh, but uh, where does that actually say what? Anthony, I'll let you do the calculations in the break because we're running a little behind. We'll talk a little bit about the NBA's in-season tournament next. And then Dave Johnson will join us at 615. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app.